This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know, my brother, um, you've been married a couple years longer than I have, so I've learned a lot of things from you, just watching you and listening to you and and how you um, and how you navigate some issues. Now, I didn't learn from you yesterday when you got yourself into trouble. When you came on air uh, talking about family business, where family business should not have been discussed. But anyway, I did learn from that. I'm not going to do that. Hey, don't so, don't, ass- don't real, hold on. Don't assume anything because I had a real good night last night. Thank you very much. Oh. But continue. <laughs> All right, all right. I lay my game okay. down quite flat. Okay. So, go right okay. ahead. You, right. you were saying? Hey, listen. But your, but your listen. larger point, you were saying? I'm still a reporter. I can confirm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm. So look, man, you've done a lot of uh, wonderful things. One of the things you've uh, taught me is that, you know what, you should always just put the problems out there. If you got a problem with, with somebody in a relationship, put it out there. So I'm putting it out there to you. On a Wednesday, March 3rd, year of our Lord, 2021, you know, I felt some kind of way when I saw your feed today. I'm just going to tell you. Because I put on my feed, I put on my feed, uh, no joke, the MVP we glossed over, we glossed over, we, we glossed over. We who? (laughs) And then you go, oh, we who? I'm like, oh, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. So wait a minute, hold on. Are you trying to tell me? Speak for yourself. Are you trying to tell me that you didn't just gloss over Nikola Jokic yesterday, who is, along with Will Chamberlain, the only center to record 50 triple-doubles in the career? He is a load. He is a load. He's a seven-footer. He's got some girth. He got passing ability. I'm familiar with his work. Yeah. Oh, oh. so you're telling me you didn't gloss it over? I'm familiar with his work, yeah. No, if by gloss over, you mean I didn't proclaim him MVP 35 games in? No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. If, any, if you wanted to come here today and accuse me of something, on the day that James Harden is about to go back to Houston as a Brooklyn Net, if you want to accuse me of getting carried away with letting bygones be bygones yesterday, that's one thing. Yeah, I did that when talking about James Harden's MVP candidacy. But did I gloss over Nikola Jokic? First of all, no. How can you gloss over somebody averaging 27 assists? Number one. Number two. Hold on. No, wait, wait, wait. No, because no, you're, saying, wait, you're saying that we glossed over. No, no, wait, wait. Um, I, I think wait, we, we go. need to check. Hey, man. We need to check you the IFB. Guy. You got T. No, hold you on. Don't you got hear me all the time? Like that. Okay. See, look, right all now, right. this is that. This is the problem. This is the problem. I told you the other hey. day. You talking about you feel some kind of way. I think you either tune me out or your IFB ain't working because Michael, we have literally been having MVP conversations for the last two weeks, and I know good and damn well in my feed last week it said no joke, Jokic for MVP. 
So what you're are you a talking TV about guy. Exactly? You got you are a storyteller. You got your own business and everything. They work it out for you pretty well. Um, we're gonna go 1970s style. Remember, remember, remember old school 1970s, and the character would be sitting there saying, "Remember that day?" And the screen would get wavy, and it'd be like a dream sequence. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The flashback. Okay, yeah, flashback. We're gonna do that right now. Here's a flashback. Here's you from yesterday. Check it out. Oh no, oh no, you did. Going into this year, it was LeBron's award to lose. I fear he may have lost it with the Lakers' recent performance. Not that that makes LeBron any worse of a player, but unless he goes on some ridiculous tear, which and, and, that, and that coincides with a struggle on the part of Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic or James Harden, for that matter, I don't see LeBron overtaking them to claim his fifth MVP. I could be wrong. I'm not, I'm not indicting LeBron. I'm just... Trying to predict how people are going to think. That was a gloss over. That's the best you could do. Yeah, a, no, a, I can a do gloss better. over. It was a gloss. So over. you don't mean omission? Okay, no, but no, I no, started no, the conversation. If I meant omission, I, I would have said omission. But, but, but wait, but you. Okay, okay. Well, words matter. So wait a second. So you. Okay. I didn't say omission. Together, you did. And y'all started kikiing about like, oh, we gonna get Michael? Like, hold on, man. Like the beginning of that conversation started with the leaders for MVP right now are two bigs, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. And then I got off into Harden, and then we got off into that tangent about LeBron. I didn't gloss over anybody. Come on, man. Like, if you're going to cover receipts, make sure they're accurate receipts. Like, how can you gloss over somebody damn near averaging a triple-double at the five spot? Everybody knows Nikola Jokic is in the middle of the MVP conversation. Everybody knows that. Yesterday, we were talking about Harden. Just because yeah, you, you got excited about what he did last night against the Lakers when he was incredible. The MVP conversation, as you know, Michael, is ongoing. And Nikola Jokic last night made his statement. He got his word in edgewise when it came to this MVP conversation. So also, all I'm saying is pick your pronouns better. Okay, you meant gloss over. I, it, we didn't gloss over anything. You yes, may have glossed over Nikola we, Jokic. We did. Because I know you and Doc because Rivers... Since y'all boys, you probably been on the phone yeah. with Doc Rivers talking about the maturation and the evolution of Joel Embiid. I get it. You've been you've been on this Sixers thing all year because you have sat on, simultaneously hating on the Nets and big up the Sixers. You've been right. you, you love you, Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers. You've been a Sixers guy, so you been yeah. glossed over the Joker. But that that, that don't leave that there. Speak for Look yourself. Look at those numbers. Yeah. 57%. You know what? He probably right. wins the stat war. He probably wins the stat war. Like that, that stat line is just That's just crazy. That's that's next. The level. 8.6 is it 8.6 assist. Is it yeah. Is his team is the is the record good enough? 41% from It's crazy. So they're 20 and 15 and, and they're and they're you know, advanced stats, if you call point differential and that sort of thing, you know, an advanced stat, um, it, it's better than their record would indicate. They're not, they're not a barely over 500. They're 20 and 15, you know. Um, is that, is that going to be good enough for him to be MVP? I think that's the only thing really working against him, if anything, right now, uh, is there, is there standing in the conference? So what do you say? No, I think, okay, so this year, they got off to like a, a, a pretty uh, yeah, unspectacular, unremarkable yeah, start. So they're in seventh place right now, technically. But but 2015 is actually pretty good 
from where they were. With those numbers, mm -hmm. with those historic numbers for a big man doing that, he's not going to be out of the conversation. I, I think it comes out of this. If if uh, if the Sixers don't win the East and the Nuggets don't look like the Nuggets are going to win the West, if the Sixers don't win the East and the Nuggets don't win the West, then it's a jump ball and maybe advantage Jokic. But if if the Sixers win the East, Embiid probably gets it. It probably comes down to that. It's the I would look at it. I think this it comes way. down to those two guys, though. It sounds like you reduce it to those two with, guys. Have they have they separated boy, themselves? With your boy Harden pushing. Pushing hard on the outside. Kentucky Derby. Oh, got to pay attention to him. Okay, here he is making, making a push. Right here on NBC, right? NBC family. Uh, Kentucky Derby. Anyway, uh, I think Harden is has made a, a strong case for himself, as you mentioned yesterday. Uh, narrative. You talk about narrative. Giannis doesn't win it based on the storyline for the two. Giannis has been killing season. it lately. He's been killing he has, it lately. That's for sure. I know. You know, and, but see, and the Bucks now and playing well, and it's a different story. Night. It's a different story for a different day, Mike. But it's just, it's kind of messed up. I understand what LeBron always complains about the MVP process because he wants to win it every year. But if you take LeBron, if you take the speaker out of it and you just look at the content of what LeBron and others have said about MVP, it is hard to follow. It is very hard to follow. Like one year, like that first year LeBron went to Miami, it didn't matter what he did. It didn't matter what he did. No, he wasn't going to He win was it. not going to yeah. win it because people were mad at him for going to for going to Miami. So I think if I'm not mistaken, I haven't right. I haven't looked at it. The very next year, he won the MVP. His second year in Miami, I think he won the MVP that year. Sounds right. And if you look at his stats, right. I, I could, I if you look at his stats that second year, you're like, oh, oh okay. Um, I mean, the numbers are better uh, than, than year one, but you could have made that same case last year. And then for Giannis, what he has working against him is his success. So he, he could theoretically have a better statistical season in his in this third year, in his third year of hey, MVP one, MVP, MVP two, and now here he, here he is in this third season of the MVP watch. He can have a better statistical season here and not win it because people might say, well, is that enough to justify three straight MVPs? It's really screwed up if you think about it. So Harden, Harden loses the narrative conversation, I think, and it does come down to the to big men. And then we'll have all these stories about the return, the renaissance of the five in the NBA. Yeah, there, you know, there's voter fatigue. It's always that, you know, and uh, there was going to be voter fatigue for LeBron, regardless of what he did this year, although there was a lot of voter remorse, if that's the thing, uh, for not yeah. giving the best player at MVP last year, when Giannis was completely deserving last year. Um, it's a regular season award. Um, I think there's also always looking for somebody new to give it to, a new narrative to jump on, if you will. Uh, and Jokic and Embiid, to your point, both fit that. They, you know, they, have, they haven't won it yet. So the breakthrough, we love the people that take the next step. Um, and love to recognize it's 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 the elite players version of most improved player You know when you when you just kind of take right. that leap and you That's take good. your team with you It's like well, we can't yeah. give Joel and B most improved but we can give him MVP You know we can't give Jokic most improved we can give him MVP and and and, and they're both fascinating guys Like you said to, to throw it back to the old school and and for 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 pivots for for five men 
to be leading the way when nobody's won it since Shaq is, is, some, is something new to talk about uh, versus just giving it to the same old uh, usual suspects. But, I, but you talk about gloss over. You talk about gloss over? Right. Let's not yeah. gloss over last night and Jokic putting up 37, 11 assists and 10 rebounds, going at the reigning two-time MVP and joining Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, every time we stop the presses, every time LeBron joins Jordan or joins Kareem or joins somebody, I, you know, eventually he's going to be the only one in these categories. But like him and Wilt Chamberlain, like in the Come pantheon and the long, rich history of NBA centers, Wilt Chamberlain and some second-round Serbian pick named Nikola Jokic are the only ones with 50 triple-doubles. That's incredible. It, it is. is. And, and that's just great, worth celebrating in and of itself. Stat. For him to be in the MVP conversation, whether he has the last word or whether his name is ultimately called uh, to get the award, it, it just uh, you, ha you have to tip your cap to this kid's story and the player that he turned himself into. Uh, and a player that he continues to be, uh, regardless of whether he's recognized with MVP or not. But he'll he'll get votes. He'll get he'll be one of the leading vote getters. He'll he may be runner up. You know, uh, it, it's it's the nature of, of this. Like the conversation in and of itself is kind of recognition. When you're in the MVP conversation all season long, whether you get it or not, it's one of the few conversations, one of the few competitions where people actually do remember who finished second. You know, people who people do remember the runners up. Because there's some prestige with simply being right. uh, in the midst of the conversation. You know, Mike, you're you going to find this hard to believe. I actually, in a lot of cases, I hate hyperbole when it comes to the NBA. Yeah, well, actually, you don't find it hard to believe. That's why I keep making fun of Luca and, and the and the in the shot in the first round. You know, or and not just to pick on Luca, and not to pick on Luca. Last year, when Bam out of bio had a block in what game four or game five it may be it may have even been game two of the eastern conference finals is this the best block we've ever seen in nba history i can't stand that kind of i can't stand it i mean the league's been around for 70 plus years and we talk in 2021 about oh we've never seen this before or this has never happened before i i my, my instinct is to say I bet we have. I, I bet we have. I say all that to say this. I have not seen a center play like this. I've never seen. Oh, nobody. Center. Oh, nobody's passed like this. Nobody's. I've passed never like seen this. a center oh, play pass like and this. Shot like this. But that's what no. I was gonna say, Mike. Nobody's because passed. Because even and if shot you like go, no. even if you go, because I, I, I built that in. With, I, I, I hear the old school argument in my head, like, well, oh, young fella, you're too young. could pass. You, yeah. Yeah, you don't understand Our, what Bill Wall could do. But, you, know. you you don't you yeah. didn't see Kareem yeah. doing all this. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah. But a guy who can pass like this and who can shoot the three ball. He's shooting yeah. 41% from yeah, three. No, he's one of he, he's one of he's one of a kind. He's one of a kind. We call him the Joker, and they got two jokers, but he's the big one. That's for damn sure. They got two jokers in the deck, but he's the big one. Um since we're talking about NBA action from last night. Um, pop quiz. Do you know who is in second place in the Western Conference right now? Yeah, I, I looked at your feet. But, but if, if I hadn't looked at your feet, oh. I would not oh, know that's right. Phoenix yeah. Comes. <laughs> <laughs> I told uh, you yeah, that. I was, right. the, yeah, yeah. I was just kind of yeah, looking at your feet, just kind of hate. It's away. right there. 
Right stop peeking. Stop cheating. Yo, man, they won 15 out of 18. And last night they beat the Lakers. And don't tell me that the Lakers aren't the Lakers. LeBron still played. And they beat them in LA without Devin Booker for most of the second half. He got ejected for two techs. Listen, so we talked about MVP. At the risk of leaving somebody out, how about we go ahead and give Monty Williams coach of the year? How about we give James Jones executive of the year? Um, what they've done with this franchise, and, and if there were an award for a culture changer of the year, it would go to Chris Paul. Because we knew that Chris Paul, we knew that he was going to elevate this team. But I didn't know they were going to take the express elevator to second place in the Western Conference this deep into the season. Like, I thought, I thought they would pick up off the bubble magic that they kind of captured last year and, and be in the mix for, um, you know, the play-in tournament. Uh, or, or just, or you know, the bottom part of the of the Western Conference, but to be on a fifteen and three run right now, uh, the the talking about maturation of, of bigs, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Mikael Bridges, like their bench. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reach into my bag of cliches and say, oh, they're gonna be a tough out in the Western Conference. I think we might be looking at more than that. They may actually have something special brewing in Phoenix that goes beyond just being a nice, scrappy, regular season story. Like, they're legit good. And it was it was only, what, two years ago they were the worst team in the league, worst situation in the league? That's right. And again, give all the flowers, give all the praise to James Jones uh, and Monty Williams, as well as Chris Paul, who pretty much wherever he goes, he turns that organization uh, into a winner. We talk about that with LeBron. Chris Paul got some of that, too. They haven't won a championship, obviously, with Chris Paul being the guy. And he grades on some people. Not everybody appreciates his style of leadership, but it breeds results. That's for damn sure. Yeah, and, and the only only quibble I have with you, and it's not even a quibble, I'd say, you know, Monty Williams is probably the front runner for Coach of the Year because of the Suns and their standing. Who am I missing? Uh, in the West, and then Tom Tom Thibodeau in the Who? East, who just kind of got I knew you. I knew you got to bring him up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, no, he's done a good job, but no, if I had that's to pick that's between your those man. two, that's your guy. No, that's my guy. Yeah. If I had to pick between those two, I'm going with, with Monty Williams. And I like what you're saying here. You don't want to just say they're going to be a tough out. Of course they're going to be a tough out. Quinn Snyder. Maybe, maybe you, the mistake you know, that's, that's, I made. That's a big, that's a glaring omission. So, sorry, that's a glaring omission is Quinn Ooh. Snyder. That is a glaring omission. Oh, okay, well, Quinn, Quinn, Quinn Snyder, Snyder, only the best Snyder. record in the NBA, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the big mistake I made was getting caught up because it happens. You know, you watch the we all been we all been like locked up quarantine. Well, not all of us. <laughs> Some of y'all think the pandemic is over, but we'll get to that later. Um, yeah. But the reasonable among us have been mindful uh, in this in this quarantine. And so it's a lot of time to think and a, and a lot of time to just kind of uh, just kind of overreact to a lot of things. And so when the Lakers won a championship, won the bubble championship, and we're looking at LeBron, and then they retooled, and it looked like they improved on paper. We just said, didn't we? They just write off the Western Conference. Hey, give it to the Lakers again. We know the Lakers are going to win it. one rough shot over the West. Yeah. My mistake. My mistake because I would not be surprised, stunned, floored, any of those, any of those things if the Phoenix Suns find a way to emerge from the West. If you look at Phoenix, uh, Phoenix is playing great. As you said, 15 out of 18. Emerge but if you look at the Nuggets, the, the Nuggets, West. 
The Nuggets are in seventh place, but the Nuggets did not get off to a great start. So they've been playing much better lately. So Phoenix, wait, wait, the wait, Nuggets, wait, wait. Hold on, I'm sorry. Utah. Okay. I, I was trying to I was trying but, not to get be a prisoner at the moment because we, you know, with this MVP thing, and that's part of the conversation. We, we, it, it evolves. It's ongoing. We go whichever way the wind blows. Whoever had, yeah. whoever had a good night the night before, they're the MVP frontrunner, you know, changes. You know, we showed the graphic earlier, you know, probability right. changes from day to day. I, so just I just want to make sure we're clear on this because, you know, we got yeah. to run this back at some point. Right. You, you did that little that little back back down in the post thing where I would not be surprised if. Right. OK, I heard that part. I'm not calling it. The Suns emerged. You're not called. Okay, okay, that's okay. So you qualified it. It's not emerged a from the West. No, I mean, saying, let's not get carried they're away. They're talented. Because Anthony so, Davis no, isn't playing right now. Dennis Schroeder has okay. been out. I mean, at the if the Lakers are healthy, we were right in the preseason. Like, I don't want to write off the regular season. I don't want to say it doesn't matter. But it, with all due respect to what the Jazz are doing, uh, the Clippers at times are like a better team. The Nuggets, you're right. They're better than their record. I get it. West is deep, always has been. But if the Lakers are healthy, let's not get let's let's not fool ourselves here. Let's not get carried away. Well, okay, that is, well, it's my, their conference to lose. Well, sure, but you just said if the Lakers are healthy, and we don't know if because the Lakers, they're not right now. Well, but and they may not. I'm presuming. Be. I'm assuming no. that they will be. Okay, but you can't. You can't. Well, well yeah, can't all bets assume. are off if somebody's if, if Anthony Davis is out. All well, bets are if, off. If, I mean, but I, you know. Guy, it's, not, not, the expectation. not I'm not talking about with all respect. I'm not talking about Dennis Schroeder. I'm not talking about Montrez Harrell. I'm not talking about any of those guys. Uh, I'm talking about Anthony Davis. If you got LeBron James and Anthony Davis at full strength. Yes, you're in a power position, but how can you look at Anthony Davis what he's gone through and what he's dealing with and say, oh, yeah, they'll be back to full strength. I don't know. It's a shortened season. He's been out for a while. I don't know how he's going to respond. If he comes back, does he re-injure? I don't know. I'm telling you yeah. what we see right now. Okay. You just got to go with it right now. You have to. It is, it is open. I, I still would favor the Lakers because they got, not that guy, but the other one. Um, but it's not like Phoenix and, and uh, Phoenix and Utah and Denver are so far behind the Lakers that even without Anthony Davis or Anthony Davis is 65 percent, they can't compete with them. They can. They absolutely yeah, but that's not the prognosis. Challenge though. the Lakers. The, pro uh, the prognosis huh? isn't supposed to be some long term thing. We're not even at the All Star game. We're not even at the All Star break yet, which we, I want to talk about All Star later on. They've already played. No, they've no, already I, played half their Yeah, season. but I mean, it's not. Yeah, but there's plenty of time to round and to get healthy and to round into form. But uh, listen, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. If you're sitting here right, I hear what you're saying. It, it, but it's not as wide open as it seems at the halfway point of the film. I think ultimately we have a pretty good idea of how this movie uh, is going to end. The horror show, the horror movie that we've seen far too often is Chris Paul being a victim of a lot of bad fortune when it comes to injury. So on your health point, I'm just hoping that the Suns they, they, they're, they're taking steps. They're getting these character wins, they call it. I hope that they can stay healthy, specifically Chris Paul, and, and and be at full strength for once in the playoffs because he has had some god-awful misfortune yep. uh, when it comes to injuries over the course of his career. Because, like, the point guard, I, I I am, I am you know, the, the prophet. I am John the Baptist when it comes to Chris Paul. I have praised this man from the high heavens. Don't tell me about what he hasn't done in terms of winning a championship. Don't tell me that he's overrated. One of the best to ever handle a basketball. One of the best floor generals we've ever seen. 
Uh, we got to go to break. Jason Johnson, about to get into him, get into it with him. Um, you know he's got a new podcast out. Yeah, you mentioned that the last time he was on. We got to talk about that when he comes on. We, we need some more details. You kind of said that on the on the way out. Hey, congrats details. on the podcast. We need more details. Invitations. I wonder like how oh, far we are down his list of people I have on the podcast. And he said, you know, he ain't rolling with us like that. I don't know why. <laughs> and he better have me first. He better have you know me longer. He know he's known me longer. He better have me first. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. It's one of those days, Mike Smith, where I was just offended by everybody. I was offended by you yesterday, glossing over Jokic, whether you say you did or not. And <laughs> this tweet from Jason Johnson ruined my day. It ruined days. Wait, what? He says his prayers have been answered because Reese's is has the gall to make a chocolate-free all peanut butter. Buttercup, which is the most disgusting thing I have ever heard. <laughs> Who wants peanut that? butter? Just peanut butter is gross. Just peanut butter, just just eating. Wait, wait, wait. Slow peanut down. Butter. Slow. Wait. Okay. Slow, I'm slow staring down. at you in George Let's Washington Carver right. right now. Okay. I'm staring at you in George Washington Carver. When I saw that Seriously, tweet, my whole down. life had changed. Okay. My whole life had changed. Really? Peanut butter on peanut butter is the most uh, delicious thing that Reese's could come up with next to peanut butter on a butterfinger. I'm sorry. That's, even, that is my food you, hot take of the day. <laughs> it, look, my son, my son just did a research paper on George Washington Carver. So I can tell you, George Washington Carver, buried next to Booker T. Washington, is saying from the grave, that's too much even for me. <laughs> Wait, let's 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 back up for a second. We got to back up. We got, we need, we, need, we need to unpack this. Setting aside Holly's peanut butter slander, we'll get to that in a second. But Jason, peanut butter without the chocolate defeats the whole purpose. Like if that if, if it was supposed to be peanut butter peanut butter on peanut butter, Reese's would have done that already. What do you have against chocolate? Like chocolate and peanut butter, that's that's peanut butter and jelly. That's like, like not having the chocolate is like ham with no burger. What you doing? For, for- 
First off, first off, I haven't had peanut butter and jelly since I was seven, so I can't attest to the quality of peanut butter and jelly anymore. <laughs> what I can say is this. It's about the consistency, right? You got the crunchy peanut butter on top, and you got the creamy peanut butter on the inside. It's like having a chicken omelet, right? Like you got two different oh. kinds of chicken together. So it's peanut butter on peanut butter. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. A chicken sense. omelet. Okay, wait. A chicken okay, omelet. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I never thought of chicken omelet like that. I don't like to think about that aspect of the chicken when I'm eating my eggs, but it's I appreciate the, the analogy thing. here. I'm not saying I, will, I won't try a peanut butter or peanut butter cup, but the goat is the original. Having said that, I hope you're a crunchy peanut butter guy. Crunchy over smooth all day long. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Savages no, 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 eat, no, eat no. smooth peanut butter. Okay, no, good. No, smooth peanut butter, that's that's Al-Qaeda. No, I don't touch that. Um, real <laughs> peanut butter, if real peanut butter doesn't hurt your teeth, it's not real peanut butter. It should be half a step away from peanut brittle. That's how rough I like my peanut butter. <laughs> I like my peanut butter to take me to unpleasant places later, okay? Like, it needs to be in my intestines when they do an autopsy when mm, I pass away. Man. That is that is the only way that you can tell if it's quality peanut butter. I'm hoping, it's funny, you, you all bring up this tweet. Apparently, it, it's amazing. My political hot takes get me in one level of trouble between peanut butter and Miracle Whip. Apparently, my food opinions the mayonnaise, yeah. are, <laughs> and the yeah. mayonnaise are equally problematic to the world. I and have very much ratio. And take down churches, too. Right. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't forget your sports takes, too. Exactly. Those, uh, exactly. those, those leave a, a trail of destruction as well. Go ahead, Michael. <laughs> now, this, is what, this is what we got to know. Last, last week, Michael Smith, on the way out of our conversation mm -hmm. with you, says... As you're, as you're flying out the door, grabbing your coat, running to the Uber, he says, congrats on the podcast. And you said, hey, thanks. Yeah, and I totally left. forgot. All right, so we got some time. Yes. What is the, pod what is the podcast? Tell us about the podcast. What's going on? A, a word is a pod. Okay, word is, that is my new podcast. A word from Slate. Uh, it is a brand new copy. First off, I'm extremely excited about this. Extremely excited. It is taken. You guys understand this. Like, you got to find that that perfect partnership right before you want to do something like you may have always wanted to to have a show, but you want to have it with the right people. I felt that way about podcasts. I'd had other podcasting opportunities, but this one was slate was exactly what I wanted. It had the organizing. It had the setup. We're talking about race, pop culture, politics. But in particular, we're saying all the stuff that you don't get to say in other places. We're having uncomfortable conversations. The first week I had a conversation with Malcolm Nance. You guys have probably seen him. He's the he's the security analyst. We had a debate back and forth as to yep. whether the insurrection was a terrorist movement or not. I said it was terrorism. He says it wasn't. Chris Ray proved me right yesterday. Huh? So I pointed that out to Malcolm. Uh, this week, I had a constant, uh, conversation uh, with Loretta Ross about cancel culture. As somebody who has been on the receiving end of people who attempted to cancel them online, I don't believe in cancel culture. So it was good to have that conversation, race, gender, cancel culture. And then next week, uh, it's it's kind of a secret, but I have a, a fantastic conversation coming out for the one-year anniversary of the murder of Breonna Taylor, uh, which I still lay at the feet of Daniel Cameron, uh, the AG of, of Kentucky. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And yes, yes, I will bring you guys on. I'm not that I'm not that dude. I, I'm a ha I have a new podcast and I will bring you guys on so that you can listen to my terrible sports hot takes in my world. <laughs> <laughs> and I can defend I can defend things like Wonder Woman too. So Wonder Woman 84. How is that how is that different than every Wednesday? But that's cool. We'll just, <laughs> it, 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 it'll just be at your crib. It's fine. We'll, exactly. we'll just be at, be we'll just be at your crib. 
I'll be serving some, some, yeah. some, you know, it won't be churches. I'll serve some KFC, some Bojangles, some dirty rice. There you go. Uh, no, I um, I want to get into that episode. I, I listened to the first one with uh, with Malcolm Nance. It was really good. I would just be curious, like as a as a professor, as a writer, um, you know, as a as an analyst, as a commentator, all these different hats that you wear. Um, gets getting deeper into the weeds on your podcast. Like, what will your your fans, your friends, uh, what will we hear from you? Maybe differently. Like, how does this unlock? more of Jason Johnson in a way that some of your other appearances or projects maybe haven't to this point. Thank you for that. Because when you are on, when, when, you know, when I'm doing broadcast television, when I'm doing my writing, a couple things can't always come through. One broadcast television, you know, you got, you got these quick segments. It's six minutes, it's seven minutes, you know, even when I'm guest hosting one way or another. This allows me to just sort of freestyle and all the different kinds of things that come to mind, whether it's, it's, it's music, art, culture, I can say whatever it is that I want. I can be profane when I want to be profane. The other thing is, and I had somebody say this to me after my interview with Malcolm Nance. I, I had a, a good friend of mine who I've known for years. He's like, you know what? He's like, for all the times I've seen him on TV, he's like, I've never heard Malcolm Nance speak for more than six minutes, right? It gives me mm -hmm, the opportunity mm -hmm. to talk in depth about things and I get to sort of lead the conversation. So like I said, something like cancel culture, I can talk about my own experiences with cancel culture. And I can do that in this podcast in a way that people probably don't hear me in my writing, that they probably don't hear me when I'm on TV. I can talk, you know, we, we have a couple yeah. other, we're trying to get some celebrity things going down. I can ask difficult questions about race and casting and colorism and stuff like that, that I may not get the space to do in writing, but I can talk about to people in depth. And like I said, I tell everybody when they come on the show, we ask an uncomfortable questions. That's part of what makes it fun. All right, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious the the debate between you and Malcolm because I'm surprised that he did not consider it a, a terrorist attack. Why didn't he? And then you said Christopher Ray proved you right. So let's talk about the, both of those things. One, why Malcolm had his position, and and then the latest from Christopher Ray. And, and here's the thing: I will put this on record. This is probably the first time I have ever been remotely right about anything vis-a-vis -vis Malcolm. <laughs> I tell people all the time, Malcolm Nance. <laughs> Pre-pandemic is the most terrifying dinner guest ever. You will you will finish having dinner with him, and then you will feel like you need to go out and buy every gun and every ration and everything else like that and hide in your home. Malcolm initially he said, "Look, this was criminal activity, trespass that that was part of an insurrection, but terrorism required more organization and and sort of a larger conspiracy to be had." And he said it didn't necessarily fit. Uh, it didn't necessarily fit the definition of a conspiracy. But Chris Ray, and I said, I he's don't going know. He's going on a technicality. Right, right. But I mean, again, he's an expert, right? And I was like, to me, terrorism yeah. is terrorism. When you say I want to kill Nancy Pelosi, I don't see how much of more of a conspiracy right. that you need to make it. But Chris Ray said yesterday that after their investigations during the congressional, during the Senate hearings, he said, look, like, we consider this to be domestic terrorism. So, you know, that was one of the things that, that we talked about. And again, you know, it's fun to be able to to really sort of push back and forth with people that you respect, people that you sometimes disagree with. And, and I'll say this also, you know, when putting this podcast together, I talked to the team at Slate. I was like, we're not doing dumb conversations. I'm not debating anybody as to whether racism exists. I'm not debating anybody as to mm -hmm. whether white privilege exists. We're coming from a place of these are known factors, and then we move on from there. Because I think too much time is wasted yeah. placating people who are making bad faith arguments. Beneath the surface. It's, it's, it's really that simple. We've covered the surface stuff long enough. Um, right. 
So a fifth of the people arrested so far for January 6th are either current or former uh, military or law enforcement. Based on what you, and this is no surprise to us, mm-hmm. but based on what you're seeing <laughs> with these insurrection hearings on Capitol Hill, I wonder how, how much closer is, shall we say, the mainstream getting to understanding that these aren't bad apples, right. but that at the root of law enforcement is a lot of these far-right ideologies. This isn't just a link between law enforcement and military and white nationalism and white supremacy. There is a tie-in. It's not, it's not just coincidental. There's a, there's a long-standing tie-in. Are they finally starting to come to the realization that this runs a lot deeper than just a few rogue former military veterans or police officers understand that there's a direct tie-in right. between what happened on January 6th and what we've been protesting about for 400 years? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, mean, I can I can tell you I can, I can tell you from, from from Main Street to the boardrooms to to the, to the highest editorial uh, places in, in in a lot of media outlets they don't get it they still think that this is a bunch of weirdo Marjorie Taylor Greens and that they're an embarrassment and that they're an outlier and they don't recognize that all of these things are actually connected they don't recognize that you couldn't have what we define as policing in America without it being based on white supremacy police are trained as paramilitary people that is fundamentally against the idea of protecting and serving if you're trained to be an occupying army how are you protecting and serving that occupation is completely different than defense and that's how police officers are trained. I, I have so long. Look, I came last summer to the, the you know, I, I, I came out as an abolish the police person. I think police departments should be abolished. I think we should tear them down and rebuild them and call them something completely different. You can, you can work from demolition man. You can work from RoboCop. I don't care where you work from. But our modern notion of policing does not work at all. And I think that what people have gotten, unfortunately, from the insurrection is that, oh, my gosh, it's terrible. These must be bad people. And they don't recognize that for every single guy, it's like the Million Man March, right? I don't know if you guys went to the Million Man March. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I had a test. Um, <laughs> I was in class. Too young. Yeah. Not that that was a good excuse for me, but I, I, I was in school. But the thing about it is like, you know, it's, it's an each one teach one situation. For everybody who went to the Million Man March, there were three or four other brothers that were home who were like, yo, bring me a T-shirt. Tell me what it was like. For every single one of these cops or military officers who was caught at an insurrection trying to overthrow the government, how many friends do they have back in their department who are like, oh, man, I wish I could have come? Or, hey, here's an extra $300, pay for it. Or bring me back a MAGA hat. So we have to recognize that this yeah. isn't just a surface infection. This is it's just built in to the systems of our military as well as the systems of our police department. You're going to be talking about this on the word, a word with Jason Johnson. Uh, who's going to win the Pulitzer for this? Because it's coming out. Uh, the, the real story, we, we, get, we get drips and drabs, bits and pieces of what mm-hmm. happened on January 6th. Somebody is going to sit down. Uh, right. It might be Jason Johnson. I don't know. New York Times, Washington Post. I don't know. Somebody's going to sit down and put this all together because I I feel like we know, Jason, what's your uh, what's your prediction? We know like a third of really what happened or or less. I I, man, Holly, I don't even think we know a third. And and I pointed this out. I was pointing this out yesterday when you hear the questioning, especially from Josh Holly, the senator from Missouri, who is basically ground zero for this whole thing. 
that dude, like I said, I said his whole testimony was asking. So I have this friend named Hosh Jolly. Have you guys found him yet? I mean, I just want <laughs> like, like he knows. He knows. These guys know that their names are on the list. And it was funny watching the FBI sit there saying, I, I don't know if we have any GPS information. They are lying. Okay. They are lying. The cops and the FBI already know the members of Congress and staffers who've been involved with this. You couldn't convince me that these guys aren't involved. And so the question is going to be, when that story comes out, who covers it? Now, I'll put it like this. If you want me to gamble, if you want me to guess and put down dollars on who gets a Pulitzer from this, you can always bet on Tom Brady, you can always bet on LeBron, and you can always bet on, like, Hannah Nicole Jones or Wesley Lowry. If you ask me about Pulitzer, I'm going to say I'm going to say it's Wesley or it's going to be Hannah Nicole Jones. One of those two people was going to write about it because this story, we, we it's going to be months before we find out what really happened. And then when we do, there's going to be such a flood of excuses and explanations. There's going to be such a number of debates. You're going to have somebody find out, oh, well, it was my staffer's burner phone. And I don't know. It's like, yeah, but. It was purchased with your credit card. Well, I didn't know. It's like, that's what we're going to end up seeing happen. Because again, as we talk about these cops, Michael, as you mentioned, as we talk about these cops, you can't forget the fact there was so much coordination. You had people in the building saying, go left, go right, open. It was basically back, back, up, down, left, right, X, B. That's how you get into the code. These guys had a guide when they got into the building. And they couldn't have figured that out just by watching a couple of videos about touring the, touring the Capitol building. Did you see my shirt? I, I did. I did kind of. It was, it was tossed. It was. It was. It was. Oh, okay. I was respecting oh, the oh, okay. oh, shirt. Oh, oh it was okay. Yeah, I was like, shirt. wow, that was that it was, was, that, was shirt. that was really good. That was really yeah. good. <laughs> 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 um, so speaking of months, uh, we thought it would be months before we were uh, where the president uh, says we are when it mm -hmm. comes to the, uh, the supply of vaccine, the rollout, yeah. the, you know, the, the, the plan, the administration of it, the, uh, that, that there's still some work to be done, obviously, on that front, but enough to vaccinate every adult uh, by the end of May sounds miraculous, yes. given how behind this administration was uh, when they got here, when they took office to command, and even just by their own uh, projections, they seem so far ahead of schedule. It's almost it's almost too good to be true. You know what I mean? And right. I, and I, I just right. personally, Jason, I, I hadn't even just I hadn't thought about the vaccine. I'm just like I'll, I'll get it when it's ready. But the idea that there's enough for all of us to be vaccinated by the end of May and there to be some sort of normalcy is literally around the corner is just mind blowing. So I guess I'm saying all that to get to a question. And if I if I if I am to arrive at a question, it would simply be. How would you assess just the job that this administration has done, specifically when it comes to its COVID task force, individual governors having a death wish notwithstanding, but from a federal right. standpoint? <laughs> right, right, right. As, 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 one of my, as one of my boys tweeted a couple of days ago, he's like, you got people in Texas who were using melted snow to flush their toilets less than seven days ago. Right. And now the governor says it's yeah. perfectly OK to open up. Say, yeah, people who are burning furniture to keep their houses warm and some were still unsuccessful. But for some reason, it's OK to reopen the state. And I guess we'll all be ready for March Madness. Look, Joe Biden had no run up time. OK, I mean, basically, remember, like Donald Trump and his administration didn't want to give him the passwords, didn't want to give him the key codes, didn't want to tell him where the office space was. It is a miracle that they have this much supply, that you have Pfizer, that you have Moderna and that you have Johnson and Johnson. So to that end, I'm happy. But I can tell you guys, you know, 
and I'll be talking about this actually on my podcast. When I talk about sort of my personal vaccine story, I can tell you it is a mess on the ground because we didn't have mm-hmm. a federal rollout because we are literally a year late. And it's extremely difficult to do. It is so based on privilege. And I will tell you this, both from my experience uh, here in Los Angeles, and, and I was talking to one of my girls who was in Brooklyn in New York, you get to you get to communities where the vaccine is supposed to be targeted and distributed to black and brown people, and the whole line has been gentrified. I, I was in line, I was the mm. only black person in line where I was. And my community was it, it was it was a it was a Latino neighborhood that was supposed to have free and open vaccines available to everybody, but all you saw was was middle-class white professionals. And that's gonna be the problem. We can have 400 million vials of this vaccine, but if it's not distributed, if you're not taking it door to door, if you're not hitting these communities that are suffering or who are usually locked out of the system, then we're not gonna get back to normal. And that's the thing that I worry about. Well, well, let me ask you this, because I've, I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time. I'm glad you brought it up. It's been in my feed for like a week and a half. Let's talk about vaccines and real talk about vaccines. I, I've, I've, like, I've, I've phrased it like five, six different ways just so we can have the conversation. <laughs> what do you think is a bigger issue then? Is it that line jumping, gentrifying of the line, as you put it so beautifully, or is it the hesitancy of some in the community to take it at all? I don't have that hesitancy. Right. I, give me an opportunity to take it. I will take it. I'm good. Yes. But what do you think yes. the bigger issue is? I think I think it's accessibility. I don't I don't I don't believe that most of this stuff is vaccine hesitancy. And the funny thing is, and, and Michael, I'm glad that you mentioned this. There was a great poll that just came out. I think it was Pew, and I saw it like a day or two ago. You know, the most resistant people in America to taking the vaccine, white Republicans. But ain't nobody covering them. Like they're on some sort of weird sociology thing. It's always, oh gosh, what's wrong with the blacks? What's wrong with the Hispanics? Why don't they want to take it? We can't even get access to it to make the decision. But it's white Republicans who have the greatest resistance to taking the vaccine. I asked my class this question. I said, look, how many of you guys, if it was right here, right now in class, if you could walk outside of your dorm room and take the vaccine, how many would do it? Out of 23 students, 15 said yes. Most people's apprehension is, I don't know where to get it. I tried to sign up in Maryland. It took three weeks before I even got a response. I'm hearing people, you know, I have a very, very dear friend whose husband works at the CDC. He's literally working with vaccines. He helped develop some of these vaccine tests. He couldn't get a vaccine test, and he got coronavirus in tubes next to him like like, like Winter Soldier, right? He's just got tubes and vats of all these poisons next to him. He couldn't get a vaccine. His wife had to try and get it for him on the outside. So that's what I think is the bigger problem. If, if, if this stuff, if you could go get this at your local grocery store and you could walk outside and get a shot, I think the vast majority of black people would do it. I, I know some people who are hesitant, you know, I mean, but I think most of those people, when they see others around them who've gotten it, I haven't grown a horn. I haven't developed spider sense yet. I'm kind of mad. I was hoping for superpowers. But people who I know <laughs> who've seen me get it, uh, they've been more comfortable after finding out that I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I haven't had any soreness or anything. Uh, so in Texas, we talk, we referenced uh, <laughs> Greg Abbott, the uh, also known as the COVID idiot. Uh, yes. More than three and a half million people have received at least one dose of the vaccine. Nearly two many p- million people have been fully vaccinated in a state with a population of 29 million. The state ranks among the lowest for the percentage of people vaccinated at 13 percent, although hospitalizations from the disease have fallen by more than half from their high of over 14,000 in January. I'm reading from the, uh, the Houston Chronicle. I'm not going to ask you to, to explain, or maybe you can, because you know you got answers. 
uh, what exactly Greg Abbott is thinking, whether this is just some kind of distraction from, uh, you know, the dysfunction uh, from the freeze or what. I guess my bigger concern, though, Jason, is that we're so close. The light is like so bright at the end of the tunnel in terms of just supply. You know, uh, mm -hmm. we're talking about demand and distribution, but the light is so bright at the end of the tunnel. And here, Texas and, and, and several other states are saying, all right, we're back open for business. I'm, right. I'm con on one hand, Jason, and I'm thinking this, actually, I'm thinking this as I'm, I'm saying to you, on one hand, I'm concerned about us setting ourselves back as a country, like, you know, we're taking yeah. two steps forward and one step back, or one step forward and two steps back. But on the other hand, tell, riddle me this, are people just, are the same people who are inclined to not wear masks anyway, are they just going to now not have to worry about being cited for not wearing a mask? Right. Whereas <laughs> people like us, I'm going to be double masking it even after I get vaccinated. I'm a, I'm a, I, yeah. would, I would wear a mask whether or not there was a mandate or not. So is anything really going to change in terms of who wears a mask or not, given Greg Abbott and other governors saying we're open for business, no more socially distance uh, restrictions no. and, and mask mandates? No. If you suddenly told me, you know, <laughs> you know, if you're a kid, if once somebody says the floor is lava, the floor is lava. Right. It's <laughs> just because they, you don't <laughs> stop playing the game just because your mama comes home yeah. and says, get off the couch. The game is still in your head. It's the same thing with COVID. You can tell me the, the thing people need to understand also is like the vaccine is not a cure. All the vaccine does is make it harder for you to contract it. I just got back from the grocery store and it's funny. I was talking to a, a friend of mine on my way back and I said, you know what? It's the first time I went to a grocery store in months where I forgot to double mask. And usually that would have freaked me out, but I was like, you know, I have had at least one shot. Does it make me slightly more comfortable? Yes, but I'm still gonna double mask. I still have a face shield. I'm still washing my hands. I still got, you know, stock and Purell at this particular point in my life. I'm wiping down everything in my existence. So that's the thing that I think people are gonna forget. Just because some people are getting vaccinated, you can still get COVID with both shots. It just means that the likelihood of you getting COVID is diminished. And, and, and look, I'm, I've said this all along. The people who don't want to wear their mask, they were always going to raw dog it through life. Okay? It's, it's like putting a condom on your ear. <laughs> wear your mask right. And, you know, and some people don't want to. So, you know, those people are going to be inappropriate Wait, I'm regardless. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm done. Mike. <laughs> Mike. I'm done. I'm done, bro. God. Like that I was, said, thank that's you. me on the podcast. Thank that's me. You. <laughs> hey, man. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing TV, or this, I guess this counts as TV for a long time. That's a top three moment uh, uh, right there. And it ain't three. That's a top three right. moment right there. I have cussed on TV twice. Wow. Oh, God, that it's was It's called so good. A Word with Jason so Johnson. So, yes, good. A Word with Jason Johnson. Subscribe. Tune so in. Good. If they yank us off <laughs> this, can we come co-host your podcast? <laughs> no, that, 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 that was true. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the first. That's a first. That hey, is a first. I, Raw Dog I has do never been said on television that, I, that I've been on before. And I, and I appreciate it. That's when you're comfortable, though, dog. Honestly, yeah, that's when yeah, you're comfortable. Just, that's I'm when just it's just three truth. dudes kicking it. That's you know, just know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, <laughs> hey, Jason, always, brother, always. Um, 
if, if I had another question, I don't remember what it would have been. So, <laughs> no, no, that's it. No, that's, that's, that's a good place. Yeah, we're good. That's, yeah. Yeah. that's a we great could. place. And you know what? Yes. Gary, cue the music so we will all have our jobs tomorrow. Okay? <laughs> that was awesome. going to keep us all. That was worth it. That was worth it. That was worth it. A word with Jason Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Do See not run down into life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason, we'll talk we'll to you, uh, you next yeah. week. <laughs> Be good, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Oh, my gosh, man. Oh, my goodness. You all right? Have you recovered? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, man. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So, uh, slight, slightly related... Uh, to COVID, uh, the uh, in the spreading of the pandemic, the All Star Game that many, including yourself, I, I agree, feel is unnecessary uh, to be yes. played March seventh, unnecessary, uh, which is this damn, which is this Sunday, right? Yeah, um, mm -hmm. in a, in Atlanta. Okay, so there may be some super spreader events uh, going on in the A um, for All Star uh, All Star Sunday. No weekend this time. They've cut down on the events. But they're still going to be, and I know you think it's unnecessary, and I get it. And the players, a lot of players have been outspoken about not wanting to be bothered. They're exhausted, truncated season. Yeah. Why risk it? I get it. We all know what time it is. We all know that it's about the money. Um, and it's about making TNT happy. But, Michael, okay, now that it's happening, okay, that ship has sailed. It's going to happen. Right. It's going to happen. We're good. You got to be, okay. You, you got to be excited about these events surrounding the game. Have you seen the field for the three-point shootout and the skills challenge in particular? Yeah. I mean, three Michael. Three-point shootout, okay. six-person For those that have missed three-point contest, Steph, Devin Booker, Jaylen Zach Brown, Levine, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and Donovan Mitchell. That is as star-studded a three-point shootout as I've ever seen. That's one, two, three, four. That's five all-stars in the shootout. Typically, you don't have all like a lot of all-stars in the shootout. You have you have a couple of them, but a lot of good three-point shooters. That's like high, that's as high profile a, a, a shootout as I can remember. And then in the skills challenge, 
You got your favorite player, Luca, CP3, Julius Randle, Sabonis, Vucevic, and Robert Covington. So the skills competition and three-point shootout that's prior to the game, mm-hmm. and then the dunk contest at halftime is Obi Toppin, Anthony Simmons, and Cassius Stanley. So, I mean, I, I think what's going to end up happening is come Sunday, which is a great film on Netflix, by the way, inspired by yeah. an NPR interview. If you've never watched Come Sunday, you should definitely watch Come Sunday. Um, you probably know Come Sunday, I think you'll love it. I think uh, we will all love this experience. I think they're going to put on a show come Sunday that we'll be talking about on Monday. Even though we didn't really want it, it's actually going to be a, a welcome showcase. I'm, I'm excited for this. Right. Like, I hope you're right. Me, you got, I'm excited for this. this. Yeah. I'm telling you, here's the difference between us. Difference is on Wednesday, you're excited. I see the glass half full. I'm not excited about it on Wednesday. I'm I'm sure it won't be tomorrow, but maybe Saturday night or Sunday. I'll stumble upon it, stumble, and then I'll get then I'll get hooked on it. But I just don't I don't see it, Mike. I just you gotta you gotta acknowledge where we are. You have to acknowledge that it's just not the right time. You want to have an All Star game. You want to have all these things. You can't because of the restrictions that we have. And so it, it, in, in a way, it's kind of connected to the conversation we just had about Texas and other states. Yeah. Yeah, like my, my son, and I'm sure your kids have said the same thing. My son said to me yesterday, just like we were just having dinner, just having talk. He said, you know what? I'm just so tired. I'm tired of it. He said, I'm tired of quarantine. Huh. Yeah. I'm tired of the pandemic. Just, just flat out. I said, I know. You know. I know. You know where I've been the last two nights? You know where I've been the last two nights? At my son's basketball practice. He wore me out. I put him back in basketball. He, all his friends were back playing basketball. He was like, I'm the only one not playing. I, I couldn't take it no more. I was tired of him being tired of quarantine. Right. So I feel you. And so I think we're all at that point. So you want things to get back to normal. It's just not quite ready for it. We're not ready, uh, ready for it yet. But you will be proud of me because as he was saying that yesterday, God, I hope he's not watching. Uh, as he was saying that yesterday, and he looked, and I looked at him, looking at my son, great, powerful father-son moment. It's Beckham, the ten-year-old. I'm looking at his head. I'm like, man, his head is jacked up. We're going to the barber shop on Saturday. We're going to the barber shop on Saturday. Derek the lead. Should have led the show with These that. Are- I wish I had more hands because I get my own haircut. Eight thumbs down. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's like when the show comes on. It's like when the light comes on, Michael. And and like we just we start light comes on. You go to work. That's what happens Sunday. We could we could lament the fact that we're doing it. We should be doing a lot of things that we're doing in this pandemic. They probably shouldn't be playing NBA basketball. But guess what? You know, money talks. They're, they're doing it. Since we're doing it, once the lights come on Sunday Might night, I think fun. we're all going to have some fun. Good. Yeah, might as well. Enjoy. Okay. I like your perspective. Good. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So there's a certain thing we call uh, low-hanging fruit in this here business, and the most delicious, the sweetest of low-hanging fruit. Oh my goodness! Is a list, and our I boy Chris has got a list. We wow. will talk more with him about his list that he dropped today, which had the internet and Twitter going nuts, where he ranks his 2020 draft quarterback prospects. We'll talk with him about it tomorrow when he brings his notebook for his weekly appearance on Brother from Another. But for now, here's what he had to say on his own behalf on Chris Sims Unbutton. Listen, I like Trevor Lawrence. He's definitely worthy of the number one pick. I'm not going to sit here and just go, like, and we'll get to Trevor Lawrence in a what second. What makes Zach I'm better it. Zach to you. Wilson is – I'm blown away by Zach Wilson. I feel like I'm back watching almost a Patrick Mahomes mm. again. That's how I feel when I'm watching him. Yeah. It's Aaron Rodgers-ish. You're turned on right now, aren't you? That's not your you're, business. You're yes. right now, aren't you? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. Ooh-wee. I love this. I love this. Chris Sims. First of all, Chris Sims is great at this stuff. And you can just see it, the notebook he brings every week. When he told us last week, so we're not surprised. I know you're not surprised, Mike, to see Trey Lance there at number six. Because I still remember Chris uh, Sims visually telling us what he didn't like about Trey Lance. And he was doing this in his chair. And he was saying that technique-wise, Trey Lance was off. He didn't say it was a, a fatal flaw, but it's something that needs work. He needs work on his mechanics. But that's number six. I'd like to go to the top of the list and talk about my boy, Zach Wilson, who I told you is going to be the best quarterback in this draft. Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence. Now, I give credit where credit is due. I give credit where credit is due. Hey, listen, I, love- I, 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 don't watch, I, don't, I don't watch a lot of sports television these days. I, 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 I focus on what I have to say to you and what you're saying and listening to you. So I, I can't say who was first on this train or what people have been saying all season. But, Michael, it feels like you've been talking about Zach Wilson all season. Feels like Long you've been time. talking about him all, all fall. Um, and so I give credit where credit is due. You have, you have been driving this bus as best I could tell when it comes to Zach Wilson being the premier quarterback prospect. I love Zach Wilson. I will tell you this. One thing that will make you, it it maybe should make you a little bit skeptical, a little bit skeptical, but not, I'm talking about out of the, on on the pie chart, maybe 3%, you go, you put some question marks over that 3%. 97% of the pie you love, 3%, you're a little shaky on. And that is, let's call it the Joe Burrow effect. Because Mike, you know, uh, being from the great state, of Louisiana yourself, 
Uh, Burrow was not supposed yeah. to be the number one pick last year. He was not the number. Like the year before, he was not the number one pick the year before. No, he, he wasn't was that not. guy. Now, far from. And he just balled out his last year at yeah. LSU. They win a national championship. He's great, and then yep. he goes number one overall. Same thing, Zach Wilson. You know, before the the 2019 season, yeah, he was okay. He was good. He was good. But in 2020, he took it to another level, so much so that Chris Sims is looking at him. I, I'd like to know, and we'll ask Sims this tomorrow, if he looked at his 2019 tape and the biggest difference between Zach Wilson in 2019 and Zach Wilson in 2020, if he still would see, like, this refined quarterback. That being said, some guys, just it takes them a little bit longer to figure it out. It took him that extra year to get to this level. I'm excited to see it, but... I'm also intrigued, Mike, and I don't know if you feel this way too, how Mac Jones has gone from being, hey, good guy, smart guy, accurate, not that mobile, but you can do you can do worse than Mac Jones to passing Trey Lance, according to Chris Sims, uh, passing Justin Fields, and getting uh, into that number three uh, that number three spot. I think it's just a matter of of uh, studying and dismissing assumptions, because the assumption with Mac Jones, and I'll get back to your board, Zach Wilson, in a second. The assumption with Mac Jones is he's just a product of his surroundings, yeah. um, as opposed to his surroundings being a product of him. Um, if you watch Mac Jones, he can spin it. He can spin it, and I and I said this the other day. People want to hold the fact that he had good players around him. Well, that's kind of the idea is to put good players around the quarterback. So that, that shouldn't be uh, a demerit. You know, that, that shouldn't be held against somebody that he had good wide receivers. Like, that's the plan. He's going to have even better wide receivers in the NFL. He's going to play with even better offensive linemen in the NFL. Um, so he's the real deal, and I think the more people study him and start to remove some of their preconceived notions about an Alabama quarterback... And listen, I don't think, I don't think Tua, again, he's a rookie. We talked about this with Charles Robinson. Unfair to say what he is or isn't already, but I don't think Tua and previous Alabama quarterbacks, not named Joe Namath, um, are, do any do any favors to Mac Jones when it comes to thinking, right. oh, okay, he's just a guy that you know hands it off to a great running back and benefits from a great defense and all these great first round wide receivers. How good can he be? Mac Jones is that dude. So. Having said that, though, let's get back to Zach Wilson. Um, you excited yet? As you are, you I, I as excited you. as I am about Zach Wilson. Well, well, here's the thing, Michael. You're you're far from alone, Chris Sims. This is not Chris Sims is not going against the grain, and I say that respectfully. I'm not. I'm not. You know, you're, you're not going against the grain, because not only are more and more people writing that Zach. Wilson, if he's not better, he's at least on par. And even if you prefer Trevor Lawrence, the separation isn't that great. It's not Trevor Lawrence mm -hmm. is over here and everybody else, including Zach Wilson, is over there. There's a lot of people. This play, this train is getting crowded. The, the people who are getting on this on this here train at this point are standing. Okay, there are no more seats available. Now I'm getting nervous. On I don't Zach want that Wilson much company. Train. So he's not going against, and I, and I would venture to say, I would venture to say, I don't have this is I'm not speaking from an informed perspective when I say this I'm speaking from experience of covering the league as long as I did and I have but I haven't talked to anybody in Jacksonville's front office 
And I haven't done the work that Charles Robinson has done when it comes to talking to people around the league. But I venture to say there's a lot of love for Zach Wilson in a lot of draft rooms. Even if the official draft board for the organization may not have Zach Wilson Lawrence. above Trevor Lawrence when it right. comes to the ranking, right, right, right. there are some area scouts, some college scouting directors, some pro personnel directors who've done, who've done their work. There are some coaches. There are some quarterback coaches. There are some offensive coordinators who, if you, if you got everybody to take a, 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 a poll right. of those two quarterbacks, I bet you there's a surprisingly large amount of them who would go on the side of Zach Wilson, whether or not those, their, their, their team's official stance is Wilson over Lawrence. And ultimately, it only comes down to one team, or as the case may be, two. But from what we understand, it doesn't seem like Jacksonville is going to surprise us. It's still going to be Trevor Lawrence. But ultimately, all that matters is, does Urban Meyer in Jacksonville's front office see it the way you and Chris Sims do? So here's what I want to go back to you with, because we don't keep secrets on here. I, I, since I know you so well, the one, the, one of the last times we talked about Zach Wilson, you, uh, you talked about him having a better career when it's all said and done than Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And, and, I, did, and I did my Wolf of Wall Street FBI agent thing, like, who you been talking to? Like who you who you been talking to? Like I like I knew you had been talking to somebody that had that had hipped you more than you already were to Zach Wilson. So without giving anything away, I, I, I need to know yeah, your sources. Come on, man. You to reveal your come sources. on, Mike. I, but I I, I I give me I need some more nuggets. I need some more nuggets. I need, I need like tell me what your people been telling you that lets you further know because 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 I, I know it when I see it when somebody has an inkling, and then you go harder in the paint with that tape. You've been going even harder on Zach Wilson since the season. So I know somebody didn't told you something. So give me a little example of like, you know, give me some, give me some color. Give me some nuggets about this kid. What do I need to know? All right. Um, you know, NFL scouts love talking about captain characteristics. So I know there were some reports out there about Zach Wilson not being the greatest teammate. Uh, that this, this was one scout, just one report. And I, most people have raved about him, but one report kind of trashed him and said he's like a spoiled brat and uh, he comes, you know, he's a he's an elitist and he's not doesn't really connect with his teammates. But that's not what I hear. I hear he is a great leader. Uh, he is he picks up things quickly, but the one thing that stands out. And I guess this is why there's not much separation. We can talk to Chris Sims about it tomorrow. The one thing that stands out about him, and the same is true of Lawrence, but maybe more so with Zach Wilson, is the arm. Michael Smith. They just love the arm strength and the ability to throw the ball anywhere with accuracy. Now, for some guys, as you know, as you said, covering the league for a long time, that is a blessing for an offensive coordinator and a head coach to have a guy who can make throws like that with that kind of arm strength. But some guys, that is a negative because they wind up trying to force in throws that they have no business making, but they're so good that they usually get away with it. Think of it. Go, oh, if you want to go old school, I'll give you old school and a little, not necessarily new school, but in between. Old school is think John Elway throwing the fastball. Former baseball player, mm -hmm. John Elway uh, out in Denver or it, 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 during the drive in Cleveland, you know, on, on the shores of Lake Erie, just boom, firing the football. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, nobody else can make that throw and complete it. John Elway. Think of Brett Favre. Mike Holmgren used to say, 
come on, man, don't do that. Calm down. You completed that pass. You an MVP. You're great. Mm -hmm. But there's two. The, guns, the gunslinger mentality. Yeah. Yeah, but not only the gunslinger mentality, but you got that mentality because you got that gift. You got that golden right arm. Mm -hmm. you, can get a, you can get away with it. So he is in, yeah. he's that kind of guy. And so I like him. I like what I hear about him. Now, now that the train is getting crowded, you know how it goes. Your band, your group. You were the first to listen to a group. Everybody else starts listening to them. You listen to them in a small little club. Doesn't feel, doesn't feel as good. They start playing. Yeah. The guy start being played on the radio. Gets radio play. Now they're playing. Now, yeah. now we get stadiums. You're like, oh, wait a minute. Well, how cool yeah. are they? Yeah. Because you like them. Mm -hmm. The one thing yeah. that, I, that I think is probably going too far, and I do feel this way. I love Zach Wilson. I believe everything I said about him. But let's not, I don't want to get to the point where we're just dismissing Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has been a winner his entire life. The reason he's okay. at Clemson is because he was a that. number one recruit. He was a number one recruit I'm glad in high you said school. That. This is, he's not a fluke. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, so like Zach Wilson, me. has emerged. It's not about, it's not about Trevor. It's not about Trevor. It's not about Trevor. It's not about Trevor. For once, it's actually not about Trevor. This is what scares me. This is what scares me. What is it? Tell me. Is Trevor the safe choice? And is Trevor the default because we've all been collectively conditioned? Yeah. Like, if you say certain things a certain number of times, Even my condition it starts has to been become conditioned. subconscious. Even, I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning, brother. <laughs> my conditioning has been conditioned. You're a moron. Um, <laughs> oh... Most deaf. We need another Black Star album. We need another Black Star album. That would Justine be great. Bay and Talib. I'm on board. Yeah. Anyway, um, generational prospect might as well be Trevor Lawrence's middle name. We say it so matter-of-factly. Yeah. Best since Andrew Luck. Once in a lifetime. Like, it's hard to top that. It is hard to, to lose that. He's done nothing to lose that. You know, did a pro day, didn't have surgery? After the pro day, did his pro day early so he can have surgery, be ready for camp. Like, the guy, nice job, control room, right on cue. The guy is everything you want in a quarterback. And I wonder if at this point, Michael, it's like, mm. hey, let's not overthink it. Look at that throw. Let's not overthink Woo. it. Like, it's Lawrence is the guy. He's been the guy. He's been a winner. He checks every box. Like, let, let you know, if you're Jacksonville, like, it's Trevor Lawrence. Like, you know, this, this is what happens with the draft process. Is way, there's way too much time to, to study long and study wrong, right? Especially, th especially what this What scares year. me is, yes. What scares me, though, is as good as Trevor Lawrence is. This is not a knock on Trevor. Is he relative to Zach Wilson? Is he the safe choice? Because look here, bro. If you're Chris, if Chris Sims is saying this, and others are saying this, I've heard it's not the first time I've heard it, bro. If you're telling me that this dude has Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers potential, I'm afraid of passing on the next Patrick. I will rue the day that I did not roll the dice on the next Rogers.
Like that gives me pause, Michael. It gives yeah, me it's pause. Interesting. Like, if, I were, it's so if I were making the pick right now, I would go with Trevor. But if I'm watching him and if I'm seeing and I'm hearing other people watching him saying this dude looks like Patrick Mahomes. Look, let's, like, Patrick Mahomes didn't go number one and the rest of the league is, is regretting it. You know what I mean? Like the people who had an opportunity to get him are regretting it because they missed on it. It's like it, it would scare the living daylight out of me. Yeah. If I'm either the Jaguars picking Trevor Lawrence, and they won't miss on Trevor Lawrence. They won't miss. They won't miss. And he'll be and he'll be great. I don't doubt that he'll be great. But it would scare the living, living daylights out of me if I'm the Jaguars or even the Jets for that matter, trying to talk myself into sticking with Sam Darnold and building around Sam Darnold. If the next Patrick Mahomes or, or Aaron Rodgers is staring at me in the face right now, and I and I overthink okay. that and don't and don't take advantage of that opportunity to get the two most talented quarterbacks to ever play the game. The, the next, All right, that's a good next point. Okay, tell tell okay. me this, though. Tell me how you, because I really want to know, I, I want to hear what you have to say about this, because I, I don't know how you feel about this type of thing. Because part of it, I, I, I'm with you. You don't want to pass it. Who's, what's a, who wants to pass on the next Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers? That's just crazy. Even if you got a great prospect like Trevor Lawrence. Let's say Trevor Lawrence is Andrew Luck. Let's say Peyton Manning. Andrew or Luck, Andrew who Luck. stays yeah. healthy. Yeah. But you still passed yeah. on Patrick Mahomes better than Andrew Luck and Aaron Rodgers better than Andrew Luck. You got Andrew Luck, you could have had Patrick Mahomes. You take Mahomes, right? Most of us would. Yeah, but I want to know yeah. how you feel about the regional aspect of this, the league aspect of this. I mean, in other words, BYU, the, the, before Zach Wilson, the best quarterback to come out of BYU is Steve Young. So it's been, yeah. a, it's been a long time. Steve Young... Been retired. <laughs> okay, so retired a long time ago. He's in the Hall of Fame. He got his law degree on TV, written books, all this stuff. It's been a long time since BYU had a prospect of this magnitude. Whereas Clemson, not just a quarterback. Yeah, who's the last great Clemson quarterback? Deshaun Watson. Who's the last great Clemson wide receiver? DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, you can go on and on all these positions historically. Are you nervous? In other words... Are you nervous? Level of competition? About the, yeah, I mean, it's not just competition, but it's just the legacy of Clemson football has been going strong and, and sending people to the NFL consistently for 25, 30, 35 years, whereas BYU, yeah, there's some pros from BYU. I got it. But it's not that, it's not that factory. Do you... Do you do? I think, do you uh, I think care you about want, that at all? Again, I don't know. I'm not saying you should. I'm just about, wondering how you we're feel about. about we're talking about two teams. We're talking. Actually, we're talking about one. We're talking about one. Like this isn't okay. I, I'll, I'll ask you a question, but this isn't even a conversation that anybody should be wasting time on outside of Jacksonville. And here's what I mean, because this is how this, this is how this would play out. This is how this would play out. Okay, if Urban Meyer and Shaq Khan and Trent Baalke decide, you know what, we see the same thing Chris Sims sees. We see the same thing. Michael Holly's been seeing for months. We're going Zach Wilson. We're going. We, we're gonna. We're gonna shock the world, and we're gonna take Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence. Okay. And by that, and by the time the draft comes around, it may not be that much of a shock. Okay. If they do it, then the Jets will immediately, like, when Roger Goodell announces with the first pick of the 2021 NFL Draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Zach Wilson, quarterback BYU. And while I'm here with the second pick of the 2021 <laughs> NFL draft, the New York Jets select Trevor Lawrence, quarterback right. Clemson. 
the Dolphins are on the clock. Like on the clock. There, there's no need to even go like don't go 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 take a break. There's no need right. to even go through that process. So there's no deliberation necessary about these two quarterbacks by comparison for anybody other than Jacksonville because we know that the second one if it's Trevor Lawrence is going to New York. We'll see how the Jets feel about Zach Wilson and everybody's saying that they should take Zach Wilson. But to answer your question more directly, Michael Holly, I think if you're in love with Trevor Lawrence, that's all the more reason to love him, the pedigree, the platform, the stage on which he performed, so a lot of similarities, similarities in terms of like yeah. him being uh, Mac Jones being at Alabama. It's like, yes, he is a winner. And he's driven the bus. So, yeah, I think – but I don't think that's a knock against somebody else by comparison. You understand what I'm saying? Like, if I love Zach Wilson, I'm not going to hold the fact that he didn't quarterback Clemson against him. I'm going to look for reasons to, to love Zach Wilson. I think that's what people are doing right now is they're falling in love with his tape and, 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 and the level of competition he played against and, and the circumstances that he played within, appreciating him on its own merit. So, it, it could it – could, if, you, if you're split – Maybe you say, I want the guy from the big program. I want the guy with the big-time profile. I want the guy that's been in the spotlight. I, I, you know, do you ever, that might, that do you might ever think about that, though? The scales, but it, it's not going it wouldn't, to – it wouldn't be the deciding factor for me. Okay, I was, I was going to say, if you ever think about it, because we've, we've got many examples over the years, Hall of Fame players from small schools who, who have not played in, in games in front of – uh, 75,000 yeah. people, not nationally televised. Hey, BYU is not a small school. BYU is not, oh, no, not, not a small school. It's not a small school. And, and technically, they kind of... Mountain West is not a know, small conference, you know. In, in, in the old days, in the old days, they kind of backed into a championship that was kind of a championship, but not really. Remember that before we had a bowl? They yeah. were undefeated. But they had a weak schedule, and they and they won the championship. They beat a team like they beat somebody who was like five and five or six and five to win a to, to win a national championship. They won a mythical national championship. So it, I know it's not a small school, but come on, BYU is not Clemson. BYU is not Alabama. They're not recruiting like it's not the same level. No, no. Um, it doesn't matter. I got another me. Wilson I want to talk to you about because we haven't talked okay. about Russell Wilson in a couple of days. So let's talk about Russell Wilson on the other side of the break. Let's talk about Russell Wilson and Tom Brady because they're kind of linked, you know. Well, I like that. If for no other reason in Super Bowl, if for no other reason in Super Bowl Forty Nine, um, or because Wilson's pissed that Brady went in the Super Bowl. <laughs> jealous. His first year in the NFC. Called jealousy. Yeah. Just exactly. fast and jealous. All right. Jealousy is a negative connotation. Um, in this context, I understand it. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. been a while since we talked about Russell Wilson. Is it dead, Michael? I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, it's kind of it's kind of quiet other than uh, Latoya Cantrell in New Orleans 
putting out that Instagram video, recruiting Russ and Sierra to New Orleans, but there hasn't been a whole lot written and said, it feels like, the last few days with regard to Russell Wilson's uh, unhappiness with his situation in Seattle. Our man Mike Silver went on NFL Network uh, and he said, look, the Seahawks are not happy with how this situation has unfolded. This feeling might be mutual. Uh, Silver also tweeted that if the Seahawks were not fielding offers for Russell Wilson at this point, they'd be committing malpractice. Their QB is clearly unhappy. Uh, Mike Silver is plugged in as, as any NFL insider is nationally. And reportedly, uh, 10 or more teams have contacted the Seahawks. I guess I'll just ask you that. Do you, do you see this as dead? I mean, I, you and our, our man Jason Johnson have been quite defender. He ain't going nowhere. He's not going anywhere. At least not this year. Um, but I, well, I'm curious about if he's dead? not going to know, what's the path forward? What's the path forward if they're both unhappy? If the Seahawks are, in fact, unhappy about how Russ is behaving, we know he's un, unsatisfied. He has requested a trade, but he's unsatisfied with, with the situation. What's the path forward if not a trade? You know, Mike, I'm, I'm going to answer your question, but I'm going to answer it this way. Uh, I'll get there. Trust me. You know what I'm really afraid of? I'll tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you my deepest, my deepest fears. Uh, not on air. You probably know some of them. <laughs> but, you know, one thing I'm afraid of is missing. I'm all, it's not quite fear of missing out on the popular thing. It is fear of not detecting when the winds change, not detecting when there's a spirit in the air and it, it signals a new way of doing business that I'm just kind of standing there flat-footed as business, uh, business mm. changes and industry changes, uh, a sentiment changes, and I'm the last one to figure it out. That's what I'm afraid of. And I say all that to say this about the Seahawks, the Texans, or any other NFL franchise that thinks that the old way of doing business is going to fly in 2021. It's not. Like, what are you thinking? You mean to tell me? And I'm, this applies to the Seahawks and the Texans. You mean to tell me you could have a third of the league interested in your quarterback and because you don't believe he handled it the right way, that he didn't handle PR the way you wanted him to. He spoke when he wasn't supposed to speak. You're not going to investigate it? Are you out of your natural-born mind? No, it's not dead. And if it's dead, you're foolish for letting it die. I understand that trading Russell Wilson will be bad for your salary cap situation in 2021, but it, sometimes you, ha you have to do that even though it's not the ideal situation. Talk to Philadelphia. They, had, they felt like they had to trade Carson Wentz. They're dealing with a historic cap hit, but they're moving on. If you're Seattle, yeah. it's your responsibility to, to accept these phone calls, to discuss what teams might be willing to well, do to get Russell Wilson. And you might hear something. I mean, if you read that. That makes sense. And the I same mean, thing with you. If you read The Athletic, if you read The Athletic in their deep dive uh, and believe they're reporting, um, it's not beyond or beneath or out of the realm of possibility for the Seahawks to do their due diligence on their own. You know, didn't they want to trade him for the number one pick a few years back? You know, weren't they right. uh, somewhat interested or at least showed some outward interest in Josh but, Allen? But I mean, it's, there's been, it's say, always been something. No, I'm just, I'm just saying I'm own. agreeing with you, but I'm saying 
Yeah. I'm saying if they've done it on if they've done it independent of this situation, and now Russell Wilson has invited people to call and say, hey, y'all good or what? You know, like, hey, is he available or not? Like, that's that's a good thing. That's 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 what John Schneider and Pete Carroll do anyway. You know what I mean? So all, all Russell Wilson did was just kind of do you a favor and allow you to have more information. And if you could think about this with a clear head, and you're right, I'm, I'm the, the Seahawks and the Texans, think about this with a clear head. Like, this is a good thing, okay? I know you don't get franchise quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, who you drafted in the third round, but you don't get franchise quarterback right. like Russell Wilson or, or Deshaun Watson. They don't grow on trees, you know? Um, I get it. However, uh, if somebody is going to give you an opportunity to reboot and reset your organization with an unprecedented package of picks, certainly something to, to talk about, even for Russell Wilson. Like, nobody's untradeable, right. for crying out loud. I mean, other than Mahomes, I don't know that anybody is really untradeable, you know? So, um, but that said, while I believe that, you know, this relationship, for all intents and purposes, is dead, I don't think there's any coming back from this. I maintain that when you put out a list publicly, that's intentional, that's yeah. strategic. That I don't. I, that, that's not. That, that's that's crossing a line. That is a point of no return. That's the Rubicon. Okay. Um, however, ultimately, if Russell Wilson has not requested or demanded a trade, and if he is not going to go the way of Deshaun Watson then at the end of the day, they can continue to coexist. It may be uncomfortable, right. sure. but Russell hasn't packed his stuff. If they had to, they can coexist. But I, I guess what I, I guess my, the, my thing is, if somebody's already showed you that they're checked out enough to have done his own due diligence and considered other teams, he's considered other teams enough to have reduced it to four. I right. mean, he's, he's... Not that he won't do his job... Not that it won't be good. It's an exercise. But it's like, wait a second, man. Like, are you in or yeah. are you in or are you out? And so if you're the Seahawks, it's, I think you can you can be pissed, but like I said a few weeks ago, what are you gonna do about it? What are you prepared to do? Are they prepared to pull a trigger on a trade and blow and blow up their cap? That remains to be seen. But I'm with you. It this this may not be a bad thing. Like, like Michael, relationships, um, I was talking to somebody the other the other day about uh, about the idea of rejection. I've, I've I've come to, I have come to embrace the word no. Not just using the word no for myself, but receiving the word no. Like I like no now, because when you say no to me, you're doing me a favor. Like I used to internalize it. I used to be. I used to take it personally. Like okay, what's wrong with me? What do you? What does that say about me? What am I missing? What 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 do I not bring to the table when you say no to me? It's like no, actually, they're just not the right fit for you. Same as you aren't the right fit or it's not the right time for them. I said this the other day that, that it's not rejection, it's redirection. You know? Right. I don't know who needs to hear this, but don't worry about being rejected, you're just being redirected. And so I think at the end of this entire process, everybody's shown their true colors in this relationship and both sides can now move forward with more information, understanding that, hey, there's going to be eventually, sooner or later, on other sides of this relationship and how long do we want to be in this marriage? Okay, now let's let's explore whether it might actually be the best thing for us to go our separate ways. I really think so. To answer my own question, I don't think it's dead. It's dormant for now, but it's not dead. 
And I would and I would not to borrow a, a, one of your lines. I would not be surprised if cap hit and all Russell Wilson ends up being moved because there's a lot of moving parts still to be determined. We don't know what Dallas's situation is. So I, I know a reporter called it laughable the other day. Okay, crazy things have happened. We don't know what the situation is with Dak Prescott yet. We don't know what Drew Brees is doing or not doing. We don't know. Crazier things have happened. I, I still would not be surprised. I know, I know you and Jason Johnson uh, do not think he's going anywhere this summer. I wouldn't be surprised if it still happens. I, I, well, a couple things. Regarding it's not rejection, it's redirection. That's another way of saying, go be great somewhere, somewhere else. Go be great somewhere else. I like that. Um, yes, exactly right. As far as this thing being dead and they can't come back from this, now, I do think they can come back from it because I think it's fixable if they're willing to fix it. If Russell Wilson is frustrated by how uh, he is being perceived or how he's being treated in the organization, treat him better. If you can't treat him better, then I guess there is no coming back from, from, coming back from it. If you think you've treated him well enough or well, uh, you've treated him the way he deserves to be treated, there is no coming back from it. But if you both can look at areas in which you can improve and you come to the table with that, and you agree to pursue it, yeah, it can be fixed. But I want to just follow up uh, and, and underline a couple of times my point about this, these changing winds in the NFL. And I hear a lot of people say it. I, I, I kind of like, as the, as the great poet Rakim said, weak ideas irritate my ears. So this, this weak idea of, hey, players are taking over. Oh, not, not, oh, you can't do this. You can't allow players to take over the league. No, players are not taking over the league. What's happening is as more and more money comes into the league and these coaches continue to use executive language like they're CEOs, well, then if you got a CEO, that means you're running a business and your players look at themselves as businessmen. So the businessmen are saying, businessman. Right, it's a, yeah, I'm a businessman. All right, so we're going to do this. And I think you've got to recognize that's what's happening. You can't just say, like Houston is, Houston is a cautionary tale for the rest of the NFL. Don't do this. Don't do what they're doing. That is 1985 NFL. That is pre-salary cap NFL. Don't do it. They're just going to sit yeah. there and fold their arms and say, well, he can't do anything without us. No, he can't do anything without you, but you can't do anything without him either. And so when you decided to partner with Deshaun Watson, you did partner with him. It, it takes both of you. Both of you have to be in a good place for your organization to go forward. Your organization cannot go forward without him. And no, he can't uh, yeah, go forward different. without you. So it's, you the, might uh, as well work together. The unprecedented nature with, with, of it all is just is the position. It's just, it's just the position. Like, yep. people have been able to take these hardline stances historically because rarely, if ever, have you had to do it with a quarterback, a franchise quarterback. The closest I can recall, I mean, there were times when, you know, Peyton Manning's contract, you know, wasn't a simple process. Drew Brees wasn't a simple process. But it was taboo once upon a time, even though the franchise tag was in, was created with John Elway in mind, it was taboo to use the franchise tag on your quarterback and Kirk Cousins turn that upside down on, on its head. Typically, teams have not been at odds with their quarterbacks. That's the uncharted territory that we're in. Uh, I want to pivot to Tom Brady.
Speaking of relationships, yes. Um, and speaking of Russell Wilson, because again, a lot of this came to a head when he was watching Tom Brady win Super Bowl number seven. Uh, Tom Brady's had surgery, knee surgery recently. Uh, the se severity of which uh, varies, depends on the source. Um, but he should be back for next season. Uh, last night, he was on a Late Late Show, and he, he was he was uh, pretty candid about the surgery, which, by the way, that's new. He would spent 20 years never talking about injuries. That's right. Even the fact I that he confirmed that he had surgery was interesting. Right. But he had a lot of interesting things to say on, uh, on the Late Late Show. So uh, here's some of the best of, of his, Tom Brady's interview last night. You know, it's a big moment, obviously, yeah. and it's a culmination of a, a lot of, um, you know, months of everyone working hard. And like I said, there's so many people that around us support us. And then all of a sudden the game ends and you realize, OK, the season's over. We won the Super Bowl. They're dropping confetti. And this year was obviously different with, um, you know, a lot of the protocols. But anyway, I, we was looking for my family and I said, where's my family? Where's my family? And all of a sudden I see my oldest son run over to me. Dad, you know, and I gave him a big hug. I saw my, you know, my two little ones. And then all of a sudden I saw my wife and I gave her a big hug. And just as I did it, she says, what more do you have to prove? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So he's, he's, he said a few more things and we'll, we'll play some more. But uh, just want to react to that first, if you don't mind, Michael. Um, and I know you have I some thoughts on what he had to say last night. So we'll, we'll, we'll play more. Um, I thought that that resonated, that would resonate with you uh, and it resonates with both of us because we know that we are not the bosses of our house, our, our situations. We both submit no. to our wives. So we could, so if, if Tom Brady is relatable in any way, it's that he listens to the woman or at least pretends to listen to the woman because he's still playing. But I think it's a good question. Women, as usual, they ask all the right questions. Um... What more does he have to prove, you know? And I and I and I and I don't. I would love to know the answer to that. Not just that he was asked that question, but I'd love to know what exactly does he have to prove at this point? Because I know he's still motivated by the scouting reports. He tweeted about it recently. The scouting reports still right. still irk him. Being a six round pick, one ninety nine, still irks him. But he, but he he doesn't have anything to prove to the outside world. I would like to know what it is that he thinks he's still proving to himself. Or what has he convinced himself that he has to prove? He has nothing else to prove, which is the—it was a rhetorical question. But he's convinced himself that there is something else for him to prove. There is another level for him to, to go to. He's still challenging himself, day, challenging himself day in and day out. And I love to really get at the root of that. It's such a loaded question. It, uh, it is a great question. It, but uh, sorry, yeah. What else? Uh, what else did you take away from last night? Well, I, I, I will, but I want to, can, can I get, to, let's, let's bat this around just for a second. Please. What yeah. he has to prove. Could it be, I'm going to say two things, two things, and they're, and they're different. One of them is his age. We all know Brady's 43. He'll be 44 in August. So a 43-year-old a quarterback, not only threw 40 touchdown passes this season, but was a Super Bowl MVP at the age of 43. And so now going into his age 44 season, if Tampa does give him a contract extension, I think, unless somebody tells me different, I think he's the first 44-year-old quarterback to get, or 44-year-old athlete to get a multi-year contract extension, which is just bizarre. But maybe it's like he wants to prove that just because I'm 44 doesn't mean that I've got to descend. Why can't I go out 
ascending or maintaining my level at this age. So I, I want to I want to prove all you ageist out there. I want to prove you wrong. That's one. But the other thing, it could go back. And I don't think he's trying to his legacy. He just wants to beat Father Time. What's that? He, he yeah, wants that, to hand Father Time. He wants to hand Father Time, Father Time, his first L, so that no, right. no, never again will somebody be able to say Father Time is undefeated. Say Father like Time talk, is undefeated. No, he's not. I beat him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I beat him. Yeah. And I don't think he's trying yeah. to divorce himself from Bill Belichick, even though he left New England. That that legacy, there is always, there's going to be a Brady Belichick, Belichick Brady. You take your order. That is a thing that's already set. Historically, it's all together. They got they got six Super Bowls together. They were together for 20 years. Nothing is going to change that. But maybe he wants to show, I've got another gear. I've got another layer. I love what Bill Belichick and the Patriots did for me. That was wonderful. But, do you know, I could win a couple away from him. It doesn't diminish what I did there. It doesn't diminish Belichick. doesn't change... I'm just showing yeah. you that uh, you thought uh, I was just doing, um, you thought I was doing portraits, but I got some Jackson Pollock right. in me too. I got some crazy it's stuff a whole, I can do. A, you a didn't whole, know that. A, he's, reinvent, he's reinventing himself, a whole new lease on life. Right. Um, so I, I, we, now, we wouldn't, up, that, we up wouldn't that drive you a little bit? No, wouldn't 100%. I, I mean, again, if I, if I could reduce, <laughs> if I could reduce this to my level, okay, I, I, I've reinvented myself throughout my career. I am super motivated to reinvent myself in the content development and production and creation space. To reinvent myself and establish myself behind the camera, it feels like I'm starting over. So it's a scary thought if Tom Brady feels like you know, he's starting all over. And not only is this a new chapter, but Mr. New York Times bestseller, a whole new book. Hell, a whole new medium for crying out loud. We up against right. breaks, though, but I know you had some other thoughts about something else he said. I want to make sure um, Real quick. You, know, you, you, you make this some other observation one. before we go to break. This is a quick one. This is perfect right before break. It is a small one, but Tom Brady talked about, uh, uh, Gary, we have that clip where he talked about throwing uh, the Lombardi trophy off the boat uh, to, to teammate Cameron <laughs> Brake and the voice you heard in the background. Whose voice is it that you hear say, no, can you, there's somebody oh, shouts, no, don't do it. That's, that's my little eight-year-old daughter. The, Daddy, oh, no. Oh, no. And who could imagine that an eight-year-old girl would have the most sense of anybody <laughs> in that whole area at the time? Like, you know, she's the voice of reason. I mean, go figure. I so gotta it say. was really cute. Michael Smith, his crib Maya. and James Gordon's suit. Eight. She's right. eight. And she got eight. it all figured out. Ava, yep. same thing. Eight years old. So that you said yep. to bring it down to our level, that's our level. We have that in common with Tom Brady. Eight-year-old girls yes. who know exactly yep. what time it is and in many situations have the most sense. I can't tell you how many times, and you know it. Maya has done this for you. And Ava will tell me stuff. Like one day I was getting ready for the show. And I have my I have my clothes out. She's like, you're not gonna wear that. That's what you mean. <laughs> that's too matchy matchy. No, no, don't no, yeah. no, no, that's a, that doesn't work. That doesn't work, Daddy. <laughs> like she has Same. all she is telling me to calm down. She is telling me when Michael, I need to put a little shaver on the head. 
Let's just put our right. business in the street. Uh, before, right, let's just put our business in the street right quick. Um, I don't know about your household, but Sarah is in competition with Maya for the boss of the house. They have It's unspoken, but we all know it. I don't know if Oni and Ava are in silent competition with each other to see who's actually running the house, but that's how it works in the Smith household. And my wife gets real jealous when I take orders from Maya as opposed to Sarah. So we got to go to break, I, hey, man. They, uh, we, I'll tell you this. As we go to break, they're a yeah. duo. The other day, I was singing. You know I can't sing. I was singing in the car. I said, Ava, you think I should do that for my next career? You know what she said? You already got 52 jobs. Don't add another one. <laughs> Where'd she learn that? Where'd she I, learn that? Her mama. She learned it from her mama. That's it's like, it's, it's, from. It's like the old. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So guess what? Um... Tomorrow, we may, for once, Michael, lead the show with the Rockets and James Harden. Mm, wow, and, we've never done that know, before. Since we don't really do that. Yeah, uh, because tonight, he goes back to Houston for the first time as a Brooklyn Net. And, of course, it's a perfect time for places like ESPN uh, to do a deep dive into how it all went wrong, how it all went left in his last days as a Rocket. Uh, he also said that he... Would love it if the, I think it's 4,000, 4,500, 5, 5,000 or so fans in attendance tonight show love. Uh, he's told ESPN, I thought I would never leave that franchise. I thought I was going to be in Houston, obviously, for the rest of my career. Things happen. I've got different goals, and I've seen a different version for myself and my career uh, and my family. So we'll see if, if they boo, if they cheer. We know that Tillman Fertitta is going to uh, eventually retire the number. Harden also said, uh, it doesn't change the fact of how I feel about the city. But it just didn't go as well, as smooth as I planned. The communication between myself and the front office got a little shaky. And now I look back at it and I see these other scenarios, other situations that are happening, specifically around other players that are in Houston in different sports. Uh, and he continues by saying, and their transition is going very smooth, and I would have hoped for mine to go that smooth, but it didn't. I am where I am now. And he's playing well. He's in MVP conversation, uh, despite how it all went down at the end. Um, Tillman Fertitta is going to retire the number eventually. Uh, number 13, as he should. And I'm glad he got out ahead of it by saying he's, you know, he's always, always going to be a rocket. Let's put this to bed. We appreciate the eight years we had. Everything ends oh, badly. Otherwise, it wouldn't end. Come on, Tillman. He gave him an eight, a great eight-year run. They were oh. all in team to make the playoffs all eight years. Won an MVP. Pushed the Warriors like nobody else did during that Oh, run. wow. Uh, in Great. the Western Conference, at least. Fantastic! So, Congratulations. What, what am I? Okay, okay. What am I missing here? What, what am I missing? He doesn't deserve to have his number. He deserve to have his number retired. He's not, not yet. the second greatest Rocket after Akeem Olajuwon. No, what? he's not. No, he's not. No, he's not the second greatest Rocket. Calvin Murphy after Akeem Olajuwon. Okay. No. Um, Calvin okay, Murphy. Okay. Talent wise, talent wise, talent wise, it might be. 
I'm just okay. saying, why are they doing this right now? So the guy doing what? Saying it? They're not retiring the number now. They're just saying, saying they why, eventually Why even will. say it? I don't I'm not I don't want to talk okay. about it yet. I'll retire his number. It's just too soon. I'm it like I, I can't I can't hurt for you, Houston, more than you hurt for yourself. I can't help you unless you want to help yourself. This man came to your your training camp late, out of shape. He put your rookie head coach in a bad position. He tanked it. He ripped his teammates. He forces a trade to Brooklyn. Now you all up under him talking about you want to retire his number in the future. Just wait a second. Don't you care more about yourself? Well, wait, well, so, I, I beg what your is pardon. This? I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. How are you going to tell me how to process my pain? Don't tell me okay. how to process my pain. They ain't got no pain. Maybe I choose. Maybe I choose to look. Maybe I choose to look at the good times we had. Maybe I choose to look at the fact that this franchise is one of the premier franchises in the league. He walked out on you. During, he cheated on you. He cheated well, you. He cheated. No, he you. didn't. Because he I, did. because now that it's all coming out in the wash, if you read the ESPN article, I'm owning my part in this, and we drug our feet. We tried to play hardball. He said he wanted out. We knew he wanted out. But we were trying to get the most in return and, and dilly-dally with it. He got impatient, and yeah, he acted out. Okay, but, so it's okay. With the benefit of reflection. So it's he should have been traded in November instead of January or whatever it was. Okay? So we good? We're good. I'm just telling you we're good. We're going to retire I, I tell you what. It was fun while it lasted. I'm going to hold on to the memories. Hey. I don't need you to tell me to be bitter. You Keep that I'll bitterness. Get that bitterness out of your heart. No. No. You know what? You know, some people, you know I'm a good Christian man. Some people say in this situation, those, what would Jesus do? Those bracelets. In these situations, I have a, what would Angela Bassett do in waiting to exhale? <laughs> I'm throwing yourself out the window. Burn, you come like, home, it's out the window. Burn, burn the car. Hey, man. You want a retirement? Listen. Oh, I'm going to retire. Oh, I'll retire it for you. You'll never, as in, You'll never see it again. I think it's Look, refreshing. I think it's refreshing. I'm over on, Jer Jersey soon. burning. He's still feeding people with his restaurant in Houston. People got to dis they got to disconnect the city. I know how much of the, the the fabric of the city is defined by their professional franchises. But way too often, people conflate one's commitment to community with their contract. And it's two different things. Teams trade and cut players all the time. Draymond mm. Green had already dropped the mic Mike. on this. We have got to get better as a society Mike. when it comes to understanding this is a two-way street Smith. and loyalty does not only go one way. The player decides My brother from team, another. And he is on. Let that I'm man be great. Okay? I don't want to do a radio show in Houston anymore. That city doesn't love itself enough. I'm done. It does. Hours, and James Harden still got love for the city. My hours canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal 
and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.